Vasudevasutam devam Tansujanuramardanam Devaki paramanandam Krishnam vannev jagatguram Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl podcast is about how to live skillfully and be your best self by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. And I'm Shayla, the co-host of the Gita Girl podcast. This is a very special episode focusing on dharma and teens. And we are talking about some of the most pressing issues that affect our teens and giving them advice from the Gita. We have some very special guests today that will be facilitating the discussion. They are our kids and also our social media manager for Geetha Girl. And they are participating not just because they're cheap labor and accessible, (laughs) but because they really have some great thoughts and great experiences. So I'd just like to introduce our speakers. We have two young adults. Both of them are in their mid-20s. Jayanth is Sharmila's son. He's a software engineer who lives and works in New York City. Since he is Sharmila's son, he has been in her class for his whole life practically and comes to this podcast discussion with a lot of knowledge about the Gita and also has dealt with the same issues that many teens have dealt with. Um, And so he speaks from his experience in that respect as well. So Julie is a speech therapist for high schoolers in Long Island and also our social media manager for Gita Girl. Thank you, Jui. She has been in Sharmila's adult Gita class for the last two years and has delved much deeper into the Bhagavad Gita by taking an intensive teacher training yoga course in Bali this past summer. Very exciting. So she brings a lot of that knowledge to this podcast as well. And asking questions is my daughter, Reva, who goes to high school here in New York City. And she's asking some of the most commonly asked questions that Sharmila and I have been getting in our Bobby Hart class that we teach. As many of you know, we teach teens in our Bobby Hart class, which is a Hindu class for kids. So we talk about peer pressure. We talk about social media a lot and its impact. And I think that this is a really terrific podcast and we encourage you to listen with your teens. Jesse Krishna, Jui, and Jayanth, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're excited to be here. Me too. Thanks for having us. We have some questions that Shayla and I came up with to ask you both and then we're going to throw you some questions by a young teenager to see your perspective and what advice you have as two young adults who have been studying the Gita for a while. So the first question that Shayla and I came up with is, what role does Hinduism play in your life and has it changed over time? I can start with this one. More than Hinduism, I would say spirituality plays a huge role in my life because I've learned a lot about the Gita from you. I feel like I've learned a lot about why we say the things that we do, why we do the things that we do. Like I've always grown up around my mom saying prayers. And so I almost subconsciously learned them. Now I know like the meaning behind everything that I'm saying, which makes a big difference. 
and we come across like hard questions in life and hard situations in life. And I feel like now I have a better idea of how to face these challenges. And that's what the Gita is about. And all of this plays a huge role in my life. And it's made me a better person. Jant, any thoughts on this? I'd say it's less about Hinduism itself and chanting in the traditional sense, sort of as both of our parents did, but more about the value system and the morals. I think Jui referenced right conduct. And in really tough times, it's served as a guiding light for me of how to operate in difficult situations. There's a quote where Mahatma Gandhi, whenever he struggled, sort of opened the Gita to a random page and somehow it gave him the right answer. So similarly, you know, there are certain phrases or axioms that have been beaten into my head by my mother um, that I that I tend to remember in tough situations. So similar to Julie, I'd say I am spiritual. I wouldn't say I'm religious in terms of going to temples and chanting a ton, but it definitely serves as a guiding force for right conduct. Great. Thank you. And then the next question is, what does positive mental health look like to the two of you? And what do you feel are the mental health issues specific to your generation? I think Julie and I have grown up at an interesting time where mental health is now cool to talk about. In the 90s and the early 2000s, therapists were called shrinks and it was sort of an embarrassing thing to go see one. And I remember the first time my parents wanted me to see one and I had an issue, I was actually very averse to it. So positive mental health for me has been a topic now for about a decade. And I think not to go towards tropes, but keeping up with the Joneses is certainly heightened right now with social media and everybody portraying their ideal life and saying they're living their best life. I think it's very tough if you stayed in on a Friday or a Saturday and then the next morning you're scrolling through stories or whatever it is to see people having a great time and feeling like you're missing out. Um, So I think mental health is hugely important because we are inundated with information and external stimuli that frankly our reptilian brains cannot process. So for me, positive mental health looks like self-compassion, understanding, not beating myself up when I look at other people and think that they're better than me, and also finding the activities that give me a meditative mental state. So the two in particular, I like to keep active and I feel like motion helps me in those meditative states. So I'll just take aimless walks around the city for about 45 minutes to an hour. And then also going to the gym or playing sports is very meditative to me. So it's very individualistic. I encourage everybody to find their own peace, but that's what's helped me. It's funny that you say meditative state. Lord Krishna says that the mind is turbulent as the wind. And it's very difficult to control your mind, control your thoughts, control your focus without meditation. He said the only way to make meaningful change in your life and actually be in control of your decisions and actions is meditation. So good for you that you've made an effort to be in that meditative state. However you're getting there, that's straight from the Gita. How about you, Jui? Yeah, it's funny, actually, how Jan said it. It is kind of like a cool thing right now, which I feel is really important that shift happened because it's really important that everyone 
addresses their mental health and like acknowledges that it's a thing because I feel like we all have maybe family in India who might be going through some stuff and it's not even acknowledged over there. And there's so many situations where there's people who are struggling and it's not even acknowledged. Like my parents, for example, are immigrant parents. They came here after they got married. So they might still not fully understand the importance of mental health. I grew up in a time where I saw my friends taking mental health days from school and like they would take the day off. And that was a weird concept to me. Now, as an adult, I can make those decisions to take days like that. And I feel like that's really important. There's a lot in the media about anxiety coping strategies, such as meditation. And in my yoga training, I learned about how there are eight limbs of yoga And those eight limbs of yoga are what brings you to that meditative state, which is like bringing you to a place of peace. And the most peaceful place that you could be is samadhi, is what they call it. And they say that there are different things that you can do to reach that state, like practicing yoga on the mat. But there are other ways that you can also reach that state, which is through being a good person, through telling the truth, through being kind to others. And this stuff we also learned in the Gita and through Sharmilanti's classes. Like she always says, wish a person, may you be happy. May you be happy. May you be happy as you walk by them on the street. And that's something that stuck with me. And that is how you can give off positive energy and how you can give peace to others and bring positive energy into your own life. And then also by actually sitting down to meditate might also be a good idea. But that's not the only way to achieve a meditative state. Like Jayan said, when he does his walks around the city, it puts him into a meditative state. And the whole point of getting into a meditative state is to clear your mind of all your thoughts. And that's how you can achieve a more peaceful mind. Just anything to give peace to the turbulence in the mind, I feel like is just a a good way to affect your mental health positively. Excellent. Great. And what do you feel, Julia, the mental health issues specific to your generation? Yeah, social media plays a huge role. But the way that I see it is a little bit different because I feel like there are so many people that are showing me like, oh, I created the life that I want. Look at my New York City apartment with floor-to-ceiling windows. And this is what I get to wake up to every day. And then I I go to the gym at five in the morning and then I drink matcha. And then (laughs) I go for an hour-long walk. And like they create this facade of a life that's hard to achieve. And it makes people feel like, oh, well, if this person can do it, then I should be able to do it too. When in reality, it's really difficult to do that. And then they're like, oh, and I work at Google and I work at Facebook. And look, there's a nap room at Google. And like, everyone should work at places like these. It's super cool. And I feel like then there's a pressure to create a life like that, that seems easier. And that seems less of a hassle. And it seems almost easily achievable when it might not be. And then also, I feel like there are a lot of people who don't always say that they're getting help from their parents financially. It makes people feel like, oh, well, how can they do that? And I can't do that. And they're not forthcoming with how they're able to achieve that lifestyle. I feel like that puts pressure on people when all of the back end isn't shown, you know, and that's tough for me personally to see and compare myself to. There's one quote, though, that helps me. 
Actually, there's a few things that help me. One is comparison is the thief of joy. So whenever I find myself comparing myself to other people, then I always say that mantra in my head. Comparison is a thief of joy. Comparison is a thief of joy. And it's true because when you compare yourself to anyone else, you forget all of the blessings that you have. We have to remember that we might have things that other people don't have. And maybe without even comparing to other people, we should look at what we do have and count our blessings. So instead of sitting in my room and wondering, well, why am I not in a New York City apartment? I should think, well, I'm very lucky to have my room on my own, a bed to sleep in, parents with me that are taking care of me, food on the table. I get to wake up every morning and I get to walk. I can breathe. And these are all blessings we have to remember that we have. Yeah, that teaching is from chapter 12, verse 14, where Lord Krishna says that you have to practice contentment over and over and over again. He says, ever content. So you have to practice it, not just counting your blessings once a day, I'm going to be grateful and content now, and then I'm going to forget about everything else the minute I open Insta. He says, you have to be ever content. That means keep on counting your blessings, counting your blessings, counting your blessings. And like you said, look at the positive in your life versus the negative. He says, that is a really good practice, ever content. You have to just practice it forever because discontent is sort of an insidious snake-like poison that creeps into our mind without us even knowing it. Mm -hmm. Both of you really, you've convinced me even more. I always say social media is the devil. (laughs) You've convinced me even more. One thing I'll say, and it's like easy to blame social media, but I just think social media heightens something that's always Mm. existed, right? So I personally get very uncomfortable at cocktail parties because at cocktail parties, everybody's asking each other what they're up to and sizing each other up, looking at your suit, looking at your watch, looking at whatever. And it's basically flexing, right? What's your job? How many dates are you going on? And then external expectations. The phrase that I've been hearing a lot recently, given I'm in my 20s, is when am I going to hear good news from you? And that phrase really Mm. bothers me from older Indians because good news doesn't necessarily mean a relationship or an engagement or a marriage. It's like, I've come to see you for your birthday. Happy birthday. Why are you asking me for good news? Like, it's good news that it's your birthday. So I think flexing and external expectations have always been issues. So I just think it's all heightening everything that we have experienced already, be it external expectations and flexing about your accomplishments. That's super interesting. And I agree with you. I don't think it's necessarily social media because I don't feel like if I deleted social media, it would get rid of that feeling. I feel like I would still feel that way. We talked about your healthy coping mechanisms for stress. For Janth, it was being in a meditative state. Jui, for you, it was yoga and all these eight practices. I'd love for you guys to talk about what's the biggest thing you've learned from the Bhagavad Gita that has influenced your life generally? I can take that first. Again, there are just a few sayings that I have repeated over and over. So 
doing your duty and doing what you need to do for yourself. I actually had a bit of a crisis moment recently and didn't know what to do and came to my parents and my mom said, you know, what, what is your duty to yourself? What is your responsibility to yourself? If you look at yourself in seven days, a year, five years, what are you going to look back and be proud of yourself that you did? Um, don't do anything today that you can't recover from tomorrow is another one. So Dharma, do the right thing for your situation right now. All you can do is take the next step and do your best at it, right? Social media is not the issue. Going back to the last question, like we're inundated with ads, right? So I see basketball players who are younger than me making millions of dollars already. Or I see Kendall Jenner, who's my age, who has her own tequila brand, right? And these ads are everywhere. So just knowing that I can only control what I can control and taking the incremental next step that I can, given my situation. Because frankly, I can't do anything else. I can't affect what the Kardashians are doing. I can't affect what multi-million dollar basketball players are doing. I can only do what I can in the moment. That harks back to chapter 3, verse 35, where Lord Krishna says that the duty of another is fraught with fear. Comparing yourself to somebody else thinking that their path should be your path is fraught with fear because everybody's on their own karmic journey, everyone. And nobody knows the backstory of, let's say, the Kardashians. As pervasive as it may seem, nobody knows what's really going on behind the scenes. And to keep comparing yourself or to keep wishing that their dharma or their path is your path, is fraught with fear. It will only bring you sorrow, and it's not the path for you. There's a concept in the Gita, Sva Dharma, my Dharma. Sva means mine. Sva Dharma, you are unique. Your path is unique. Your karma is unique. Your dharma is unique. There's nobody else like you and never will be. There's a beauty in that of accepting your path everyone's path is unique to them. It's really the only way to move forward rather than focusing on the path of somebody else, which will only bring you sorrow and harm. So I think that's a great verse that speaks to this issue of social media or any media telling us that we should be something that we're not. Jui, what's the biggest lesson you've learned from the Bhagavad Gita? So I think that Jan touched on the two most important ones that also play a huge role in my life. And that is do your duty. And I remember that you taught in previous podcast, what would happen if the entire world did what you're gonna do? What would the state of the world be then? And I feel like that has helped me make a lot of decisions in my life when I feel like I'm a little confused. And then another thing is do your best, leave the rest, which without saying those words, Jan kind of said it because it really goes back to things that are in your control versus things that are out of your control and just focusing on that and knowing that you can only do your best in that moment and you can't have control on the results. And of course, the results will always have some sort of 
cold on us and like it might still affect us a little bit but we have to do our best even that way to let go of the results and we have to do our best in whatever is given to us and my mom always said this saying to me she says it for like the smallest things and I feel like it helps me a little bit too she talks about like nasib a lot which is your path Nasib means destiny. Okay, your destiny. And so she'll say it for like the smallest of things. Let's say there's something like a cookie at home and like we have a million people at home and someone ate the last cookie and my mom would be like, oh, it wasn't in your nasib. So I feel like I can always bring that back to bigger things. Let's say like there was a job or something that I didn't get that I really wanted. I always remember that, oh, maybe it just wasn't in my destiny, or maybe it was in someone else's destiny and someone else's path. And I feel like that goes back to do your best and leave the rest because the results are just what's in your destiny, what's meant for you. And so I feel like those things have really helped me a lot. That's also straight from the Gita. So Arjun, as we all know, he has a tough time going to war with his cousins because he doesn't want to kill them and Lord Krishna says to Arjun he says they're already dead their actions their karma has ensured that they are already karmically dead so you have to do your duty which is to fight don't think that you're killing them you are doing your duty to fight but Lord Krishna says actually karma is the one that's going to kill them So it's like, what's in your nasib, what's in your destiny is already done. You just have to take the steps. You just have to put one step in front of the other. And that's a big teaching from the Gita also. So today we have some questions by Reva, a high schooler who had some questions to ask you guys. Hi, I'm Reva. I go to LaGuardia High School. I'm 14 years old. And I've noticed that as I'm growing older, I have all these new responsibilities, such as taking the subway by myself and having to manage my own social life and get my work done. And there are all these new responsibilities. And I just want to know, how do I deal with changing and evolving responsibilities as I get older? And how do I learn how not to get stressed by it? I'd say uh, easier said than done, but embrace it. Life is dynamic and it's ever-changing, so your responsibilities are always evolving, even moment to moment as you get homework assigned or your brother asks you for advice or anything that can happen in just a second, right? And the analogy that I like is when a baby learns to walk, they don't fall down once and say, oh, this is not for me, and then just move on right? You climb back, you grab the table, and then you try walking next to the table first or with a railing. And then you crawl up the stairs before you walk up the stairs. And similar to us learning how to bike without training wheels. So your training wheels could be your parents helping you out with your homework, or you're having to have the times tables in front of you before you memorize them. You're inevitably going to fall off the bike. So embrace the change, change will always happen and your responsibilities are always evolving as you move through stages of life. Everyone's messing up always. Nobody has the right formula and nobody has, part of my language, no one has their shit together as much as is externally perceived. So embrace the change and expect to fail. I wanted to add to that also. 
something that I've noticed with a lot of high schoolers, with my high schoolers in school actually today, with my cousins, with my sister, which includes myself when I was in high school. Everyone is super anxious about change. And I feel like especially in high school, they talk themselves into anxiety. And I'm guilty of doing that as well. A lot of the times we would say, I'm so anxious about this. I'm so anxious. I'm I'm having so much anxiety right now, you know, and like what you speak, you create. So when you say it so often and you say it to yourself, then you're creating more anxiety in yourself. And I was teaching my kids today that growth only happens when you accept the changes. That's just life. Like life will always throw a lot at you and growth only will happen outside of your comfort zone. So if you stay in your comfort zone the whole time and you're too anxious to face it, then you're never going to grow. And exactly what Jan said, just embrace the change. Excellent. Thank you guys for your answers. I thought the verse that would be really great about this is chapter 18, verse 48, that every undertaking is tainted as fire is by smoke. Nothing is going to be perfect. Don't be scared of change and let go of the expectation that everything is perfect because Lord Krishna says that nothing's going to be perfect and that's okay. And the next question from Reva. Now that I'm in high school, I have a lot of competing priorities. I have school, I have dance, I play guitar, plus I want to spend time with my friends and I want to join clubs at school to make new friends. It's hard to balance it all. So how do I know which of my responsibilities is the most important? How do I deal with competing priorities when they all seem and feel equally important? I mean, the answer is you can't do everything. Yeah, so I was definitely guilty of this in high school to the point where I was actually the president of two clubs that met on the same day (laughs) at the same time after school. Uh, And then after my junior year, the activity that I actually liked less, the teacher came up to me and was like, yeah, this is not working. And that was a, oh my God moment to me because, you know, you think about, the resume, which is not the right way to think about high school, but everybody falls into that trap. So I'd say besides your top priorities, be it school, stuff that you have to do at home to support your family, your gut feeling is a very good instinct of what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. My manager at work, when I say, hey, I'm overwhelmed, he actually flips the question back on me and says, What are the parts of your job that you enjoy? What are the parts of your job that you don't enjoy? And if you have to do the things that you don't enjoy, how can we minimize them such that it's not such a burden on you? So I would say, for lack of a better uh, phrase, follow your heart, follow your gut, and do what you love, like your instincts and your innate joy and experience of the events will dictate what experiences you should follow. So the next question, which I think is a great one. As I'm getting older, I've noticed that there's a lot of pressure to figure out who I'm supposed to be. For example, what kind of people I'm supposed to interact with and how I'm supposed to interact with my family. And there's a lot of social pressures to like the same kind of music, wear certain clothes, um, fit in by liking certain things, and to date and to drink and to go to parties How do I deal with the pressure of who I'm supposed to be as opposed to who I actually want to be or who I am? 
And how do I deal with that pressure from my family, from my friends, and from my social circle? Well, I feel like in life, those pressures don't really go away, at least definitely not in your 20s. As far as I've lived, um, they haven't gone away. There's a lot of expectations that people will always have of you, and it's tough to balance. But like Jan said before, we just have to follow our joy and what makes us happy. If there's expectations of your friends that want you to come out with them, you have to listen to yourself and follow your instincts and see who am I and what brings me joy. I will say growing up, peer pressure, how they teach it to you in the school is not the same as how it is in real life. I feel like people are more understanding than you think, but it exists almost internally because even if no one outside is pressuring you to drink, you kind of feel inside, like, should I drink? Will that make me cool? Everyone else is drinking. No one's forcing me to do it, but should I? Like, I'm at a party. Like, am I supposed to do this? And so I feel it's kind of an internal battle. So you feel peer pressure is more of an internal struggle rather than anyone actually pressuring you to do stuff. Yeah. Besides adults, I feel like there's pressure from adults who pressure you in our age to date. I feel like when you're younger, it's a lot of internal battles. I know that for a fact, or at least it was for me. But I don't know if I have a good answer for that. So for me, from the Gita, I would say the answer would be really doing everything with Lord Krishna as your boss. I always go back to WWKD. What would Lord Krishna want me to do here? And Mm -hmm. I feel that is always a great guiding light in whether do I say something? Do I not say something? What am I doing? Do I speak up? It's helped me manage my anger a lot because I feel that as a student of the Gita, I should not be flying off the handle. I should be setting a good example. So For me, really understanding that Krishna is my boss and having that mindset has really helped curb my less helpful, less constructive appetites. Lord Krishna says in chapter 12, verse 6, to surrender all actions to him, to think of him as your boss and move forward with that mindset. But like, let's say a kid is struggling with, oh, should I drink at this party? If they're thinking, oh, what would Krishna do? Oh, my God, God is watching me. Like, they're not going to drink at the party. You know, that's the thing. That's exactly (laughs) right. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's how I explain it to my younger students. Yeah. Krishna's watching. Big brother's watching you. (laughs) But of course, that's a really simplistic way of thinking about it. God is watching you, so you shouldn't do bad things. Actually, this piece of advice from the Bhagavad Gita, this advice to surrender our actions to Krishna, do everything for Krishna as if he's our boss, is less about Krishna watching us, but more about our actions being guided by the guidelines and the wisdom of the Bhagavad Gita. It's a method to make the best decisions and handle situations skillfully in the most optimal way according to what Lord Krishna is suggesting that we do. Of course, what we choose to do at the end of the day is ultimately up to us as only we will face the karmic consequences of our actions. 
only we will face the destiny we're creating for ourselves in the future by the actions we are committing today, regardless of whether God is watching us or not. But then there's the other side of it, right? It's like, oh, can I not have a slice of pizza? Can I not have some ice cream? There's a difference between self-indulgence and doing the wrong things. And I think Krishna says, again, I can't recall what verse you'll probably be able to pick it out, is don't ride the ebbs and flows too much. Don't get too high with the highs. Don't get too low with the lows. So... You know, you don't want to go crazy such that you lose yourself in the moment and you lose the sense of who you are. But then again, you enjoy things. I like chicken tikka masala or whatever it is, right? Like sometimes at night, I'll, I'll just get some, even though it's potentially not the right thing to do for my health. So balance. 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 Lord Krishna says in chapter 6, verse 16, the yogi cannot sleep too much, sleep too little, eat too much, eat too little, everything in moderation. And Krishna loved to enjoy himself. I always say he invented the rave, the Ras Leela, I call it the rave. He loved to party. There's nothing wrong with having fun. It's just when it becomes something that you're just constantly obsessed with and it becomes toxic, that becomes a problem. Jent, I think the verse that you're referring to is chapter 12, verse 13, where Lord Krishna advises us to stay balanced in pleasure and pain and not get too obsessed with both of these as they're both an inevitable part of life and will always pass. So balance. Yeah, that's a great one. And then the last question from Reva. I have a friend who wants to join the debate team at her high school because she thinks it will look good on her college resume, but she doesn't like it. She's feeling a lot of pressure to get into a good college from her parents, from her friends, and from herself. And she said that most kids at her high school are focusing on their future and are forgetting to be happy in the moment. So how do we deal with the pressure of getting into a quote-unquote good college? And how do we plan for the future while trying to stay present and enjoying the now at the same time? It's really easy to get lost and drown in like all of the schoolwork, all of the extracurriculars, trying to make a good resume. But you also have to look out for yourself and you have to look out for your health and your mental health. And again, whatever's in your destiny will come to you. And you have to work hard and you have to try your best, but not to the extent that it's going to ruin your health. We always have to schedule little times of joy in our day and also find joy in the little things, you know, like maybe a cup of chai, if that's your happiness, or watching a Netflix show, not binging on it, but maybe as a reward, giving yourself that time to relax and watch one episode of a Netflix show and not getting lost and, oh my God, am I going to get into a good school? Because wherever you're meant to be is where you're going to end up. You know, you have to work hard and you have to do your best, but you shouldn't get lost in it for sure. And you just have to keep reminding yourself of that. Yeah, just to add on that, a lot of personal experience here because I very much wish I did my high school years differently. Everybody thinks that when you achieve x thing the world is yours and you don't have to do anything anymore and you've quote unquote made it 
And obviously college is one of those first things that's sort of like a universal badge of honor. And I got into college and the next day in first period when I got in, like people were clapping and hugging me and all these things. And then by ninth period, it was like old times. I was just still myself. And that was actually the first time after school that day that I really experienced depression for the first time because it was like, wow, I sacrificed all of this. And I told myself, okay, if I get into X, Y, Z school, then I would have made it. And I'd be frolicking in a, in a garden for the rest of my life. But no, life moves on. Day after day, you still have to do the same thing. Life is still a grind. And even if you get into a really good school, that means you're with a bunch of people who were previously big fish in a small pond. And now you're putting all those big fish into the same big pond. So obviously there's a lot of egos and type A people who are going to butt heads. And then that environment brings its own challenges as well. I watched a TED talk about a person who said, we put fence posts for ourselves, right? That are like our goals. And once we hit the fence post, we don't enjoy that we're there or we don't enjoy the process of getting to the fence post. The fence post moves, moves 10 yards, 20 yards forward. It's almost like we're chasing ghosts and we're on this hamster wheel of trying to get the next hit of dopamine that's externally motivated by what other people judge you for. So as Julie said, finding ways to understand the place that you're at in life and enjoy the journey. Miley Cyrus, I don't know where she is now or what her state of mind is, but she said it's all about the climb. That's what the Gita always says. And like, that's what I've heard a lot. And all of the spiritual things that I've learned, people always emphasize. And it's a common theme that people are trying to chase happiness when we have to find the happiness in each day. We can't chase something because any achievement will not bring you as much happiness as you think that it will. And you'll never, ever be happy if you're always chasing happiness. That's why in each day, it's so important to count your blessings, to say your gratitude, to find joy in the little things. In yoga, they say that the human life is the most precious life that you can be born into. And so we're all here. And so we have to make the most of it. Making the most of it means that we have to find happiness in each day. And if there's something that's making us unhappy, then we have to change it because you're never, ever, ever going to achieve that happiness through a goal that you reach. You have to just find it in each day and change it if you're not getting it. Or if you can't change your situation, you got to change your mindset. And we're practicing the Gita to do exactly that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Jayant and Jui. Thank you for joining us on Gita Girl. We appreciate your time and your wisdom and sharing your advice for all the listeners out there, including the teenagers. Jesse Krishna, guys. Thank you, Jesse Krishna. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that it spurs discussion with your kids. And as always, check out our website at geetthegirl.com. Check us out on all your social medias, on Facebook and Instagram at Geet the Girl Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. And thank you for tuning in. Jay Shri Krishna. Vasudeva Sutam Devam Dan
Janurmananam Devaki Paramanandam Krishnam Vannev Jagat Guram 